Welcome to Open Hands, a podcast exploring spirituality, mental health, and the space in between. I'm your host and fellow wanderer, Sarah Nickerson. This week, Elise shares her story around recovery, divorce, and the path to self-acceptance. Thanks for being here. Welcome, Elise, to Open Hands. I'm so glad to have you on here today. We have been friends for a really long time. We met back Mm -hmm. in grad school. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, we can start uh, by you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you'd like to talk about today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, So my name's Elise. I am a therapist, and I live in Los Angeles. And I've lived here for about four years. Um, I have specialized in eating disorders for the most part, um, but I, I had mostly worked in treatment centers. Um, but actually during the uh, COVID uh, quarantine, when that all started, I got let go from my full-time job and I've just yeah. been in private practice uh, mm-hmm. full-time since then. So. And I am enjoying that and enjoying the uh, LA summer. So, yeah, yeah, I guess one thing that um, came to mind when we started talking about me being on the podcast was, um, you know, I struggled with um, an eating disorder myself Mm -hmm. back, you know, I guess looking back on it to some degree for a lot of my life, um, in childhood and, and teenage years, sort of, um, obsession with body image and, um, you know, perfectionism and dieting and obsession. Um, but it really got bad when I, you know, was 17, 18. Um, and also that's when, you know, it got bad when I went through a, a, a difficult bout with depression. Um, yeah. So for about like a year and a half, you know, senior year of high school, freshman year of college, um, I uh, I struggled with depression. And I remember that really, really shifting things for me spiritually. Um, mm. I, I grew up, um, I'm a pastor's kid. So my dad's a Lutheran pastor. And um, I had been, you know, in the church all growing up, um, and definitely had a faith and believed in that. Um, and in retrospect, looking back on, on my faith or my, you know, my, um, religion, I guess, as a child, um, I think that my perfectionism really latched onto it, um, in the sense that, here's, here's a way for me to know exactly what to do and exactly how to be and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was never really tested very strongly until I went through, um, depression, which, yeah. you know, uh, the spiritual term for that, you know, we sometimes call it like the dark night of the soul, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was challenging because it was like, you know, this is the first time that I've felt like, I don't know what to do with my faith. I don't know how to have joy, you know? Mm. Um, 
And I think I'm supposed to know how to, you know, quote unquote, supposed to know how to have joy. And I just, I just don't, you know? Um, so I remember that being like very difficult to pray, very difficult to, you know, um, read my Bible, like honestly couldn't really even open it. It was just like, a. um, I felt like, well, here's, here's the, what the answer is supposed to be, but I'm not, um, connecting with that. Um, and I had a couple of really powerful experiences during that time, um, that really shifted things for me. Um, because in that sort of perfectionism mindset, when it comes to religion, I, it made me feel even worse, right? Like I'm supposed to know how to have joy and I'm supposed to have joy in the Lord and all of that. And I, I can't, and I don't know how. And so what does that say about me and my faith? And there's sort of a downward spiral there a little bit, right? Right. Um, Now I have shame on top of all of that. Um, And I had a couple of experiences where I was really kind of confronted with like, oh, God loves me in this and cares about me and and meets me right in the mess of that, um, that it's not about um, following rules perfectly or figuring everything out with this sort of perfectionism mindset. It's like, no, it's, you know, life is messy and I'm messy and then God's right there in it, um, which was a total perspective shift for me. Um, and one of them was, I sort of had this, um, image or I I don't know if you'd call it a vision, I guess. Um, but of, um, of Jesus, I, I used to, um, struggle a little bit with self-harm when I was in college and, and I had this, um, image of myself, uh, where I would go to self-harm and, and I was very zoomed in and, and the, it was almost like uh, a camera was on me very, very close. Mm-hmm. I was crying and I, I remember it being like the camera was panning out and zooming out. And it was then that I could see that Jesus was there, like holding me and also mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. And it was this, I, you know, of course, knowing the story of Jesus and having that be, you know, you know, he's, I I knew he was, um, compassionate. I knew that intellectually, but I think for that first time I was like, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm messed up or, you know, I'm struggling (laughs) and here's Jesus right there in it with me. Um, that was, um, really powerful for me. And then, um, I had, uh, somebody at, college that I, I didn't really know. Um, he, uh, was an acquaintance or like a friend of a friend or something. And he, um, ended up writing me this letter. He said that he felt that God wanted him to write this letter to me, um, of, you know, that he knows I'm struggling. He sees I'm struggling. I'm his daughter. He loves me. He cares about me and wants what's best for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And those two things, um, unfortunately, it wasn't a <laughs> flip the switch and I'm all better now, right? But it was definitely um, a shift in 
what I believed or, you know, what my heart believed about God and who I was to God. Um, Mm. And also sort of the beginning of, okay, I can really have a shift in um, how I feel about myself and start that journey toward, you know, recovering from the eating disorder. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a, a powerful shift in my, my spirituality that, you know, moved from, you know, perfectionism in, in a lot of ways to just grace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And those experiences, like, do you feel like they, like, I feel like sometimes when I talk to people, it kind of falls into two categories. Like a, a lot of times when I'm working with people with addictions, they'll be like, I remember one client he described it as like, I was zapped. Like mm-hmm. one I was like struggling and then I had this, you know, really intense spiritual encounter. Mm-hmm. And the next minute, like I really like felt completely new and different. Do you mm-hmm. feel like it was like that for you? Or do you feel like these experiences were like the beginning of what would be like a longer change? What was that like? Definitely the latter. Um, it was such a process. Mm-hmm. Um, with depression and, um, you know, self-harm and things like that, that um, it was maybe a process of over the next, you know, six or seven months or so that I sort of came out of that after those experiences. Um, yeah. With my eating disorder, that um, was a little bit longer because it would sort of manifest in different ways. Um, so maybe a couple of years where, um, you know, I would, I, I was fine with eating and I wasn't over exercising maybe, but then I would, you know, use laxatives or, you know, some other um, manifestation of my eating disorder. But um, it's interesting you you bring that up because it's something that I um, I've thought a lot about. Yeah, I, I love the um, the story of uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt as sort of a metaphor for healing and recovery. Um, and you know the story goes that um, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And God miraculously brought them out, right? Like he parted the Red Sea. um, They all walked across. And then they spent 40 years after the miracle (laughs) before they got to the promised land. And so in those 40 years, they were wandering. They were wandering around and they had several moments where it was really, really hard and difficult. And they, in each of those moments, they said, let's go back to Egypt, you know, and um, thinking that slavery uh, is worth it if, you know, they can have enough food or have enough water, things like that, Mm -hmm. Um, despite having had that experience of of seeing the miracle of God. Um, And I think, you know, whatever someone's faith or spiritual background is um, in thinking about recovery from addiction or recovery from an eating disorder, like what a powerful metaphor, right? Because it's just, I think that I actually read some of that story 
um, during a sort of partial relapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking like, there's such a, a parallel here between me kind of saying, well, if everything's going bad, at least I can try to be skinny, you know? Yeah. And yeah. instead of saying, wait a minute, you know, I have seen a miracle and I'm still wandering, but this, it doesn't end with just wandering, right? There's hopefully more freedom on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How has it been for you to struggle with these different issues, uh, like within the Christian community? Do you find that there's a lot of support? Has there been pieces of that that have been difficult for you? What has that been like? Hmm. Um, I do remember, you know, when I struggled in college, feeling as though um, there were well-meaning Christians who didn't really know what to do with depression Mm. Um, and sort of, um, you know, they would say, pray more, read the Bible more, things like that, that, um, again, really played into more of my perfectionism and shame than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Um, And sort of, uh, there can be a mindset of like, depression is some sort of uh, sign that you are not uh, spiritual enough or good enough, you know, that kind of mindset, which of course I definitely reject that mindset, especially on uh, this side of things. Um, So that I think was difficult for me um, at that point. Um, I actually, it's interesting that you, you ask that because that, you know, that time period feels really far away for me now. Yeah. Um, But I sort of went through um, what I feel is really kind of a parallel process uh, more recently where um, a couple of years ago, I ended up going through a a separation and got divorced um, last year. And it, in thinking through sort of what, I, you know, my personal responsibility and all of that, um, and sort of my growth process through the separation. Um, I, it was very, very similar, right. To my recovery from an eating disorder, because Mm -hmm. what I struggled most with in my marriage and in the separation was insecurity Mm -hmm. and it was sort of, again, this, um, I think what was underlying the eating disorder the whole time, right? And I I had recovery from the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, in terms of the behaviors of the eating disorder and the way that manifested and and my body image and stuff. I I didn't have that same perfectionism around those things um, that led to insecurity, but the root of it was still there, you know? Um, And it definitely manifested in different ways and in my um, definitely manifested in relationships. Mm. And I don't think uh, in, in romantic relationships in particular. Yeah. And before I was married, I did not even have the awareness that it, it was my stuff. I was like, if I'm insecure, it, there's something wrong with, you know, 
this relationship. I'm with the wrong person, right? Um, but then when I got married and I was still struggling with that, um, I sort of thought marriage would fix it. You know, someone's committed to me, I'm committed to them. Um, but when I was still there, when I was married, I, I was like, well, you know, it's not supposed to be like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it really, really caused a lot of problems and, um, you know, really hurt my ex-husband. Um, and I think that, uh, going through this, you know, after being separated and sort of for the first time, not being able to, you know, I chose to not date while I was separated, um, any other people. And I, so for the first time I had no, you know, ability to sort of seek out and access attention or affirmation from men. Um, because I wasn't getting it from my my husband at the time, and I wasn't um, seeking it out from others, and so I really had to sit with that. Like, how do I, you know, um, feel good and feel uh, whole and complete, um, just sitting with myself? Yeah. And that was so powerful for me because really that was what was underlying the eating disorder the whole time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that came to mind because you asked, you know within the Christian community, um, how have I felt? And it's interesting, it's interesting going through a divorce um, within the Christian community because um, certainly I never thought that I would, obviously. Um, Probably no one does, right? But but I I struggled with that, again, sort of on a personal level, in perfectionism being like, well, this isn't, I'm not supposed to, you know, get divorced. Um, and then within, you know, the Christian community, um, I have to say I've felt, um, I've felt mostly really supported and, um, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but I certainly have my own sort of, um, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, And that's been definitely a tension for me. Um, But I'm really grateful for how much I've been able to sit with the discomfort of my own insecurity and perfectionism and really move through that, you know? Yeah. 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 What was it like, like, so in that space or, you know, and I love that holding space. I've definitely found that in my own life as well. It's like when you can't move forward and you can't go back and it's just like right. <laughs> this holding space where you're like, you're really like, I just have to sit with myself because there's right. like no option to do anything else. But then in that space, you learn so much. Right. Like what do you feel like um, was the most meaningful part of that, that process, that sitting with yourself for you? Hmm. So much. Um, I would say, you know, I really went through a process over, it was over the course of maybe like a year and a half, um, that we were separated before we, um, finalized the divorce. Um, and I think I went through this process of first really leaning into what does God say about me? And what is God's truth about me? And how can that be, how can I go there first, you know, and kind of daily 
um, to hear what's the truth about me um, from a voice that I trust that is unconditionally loving and um, unconditionally accepting and knows me and loves me. Mm -hmm. And then um, that really uh, shifting, you know, how I felt about myself and um, putting a, a pause on the need for any other voice to really define that for me, um, putting a stop to that. And then from that, um, you know, because really during my separation, I was, I was praying for reconciliation and I wanted to, um, get back together with my ex-husband during that time. And so I was trying to figure out how to love him well, you know, Mm -hmm. and to do that, I sort of had to take care of, um, to go to God with my needs for, um, for love and, um, attention and affection and all of that. Um, and then I could say, okay, this is, I've received this unconditional love. Now I sort of have a framework for how to give that to other people, mm-hmm. um, to, um, love from more of a place of wholeness and without expectation of return. Um, and that was, um, powerful for me, you know, Obviously, no uh, relationship can exist in uh, a space of having it be one-sided, you know, for uh, forever, for a long period of time. Um, but there's something powerful about that process of saying, I'm, I'm whole because I'm receiving from God and now I can give out of a place of um, without expectation, you know. And it really also helped me... Um, practice trust. Um, and that was, I think the other big takeaway that, uh, I had from that time period is it, it's okay to have specific hope for things. Mm. Even if those don't come true, there's something actually really, really powerful about, um, praying for and hoping for specific things to happen. Yeah. Um, rather than just like, you know, I know it's all going to work out in the end or, uh, right. something like that. Right. It's, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hope for this and I'm going to pray for this and I'm going to want this. And no matter what happens after that, I think there's something that can, um, shift within us, within me. Right. If I'm praying for that and hoping for that and, and staying sort of still, um, it, it really was powerful for me. Yeah. Hard. And then, yeah, I know. It's like so hard. I feel like whenever you're going through a particularly rough time, um, yeah, it's like, I know, um, like being in the spiritual community sometimes, like, yeah, people have these little one-liners, like, let go and yeah. let go. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, but uh, what does that mean? And how? Yeah. And like, Instead, kind of like what you said, like sitting with the hard pieces and like really wrestling with that process, Mm -hmm. what it means for you. And I'm curious, just from like the mental health perspective, were there tools or, um, you know, like resources for you that you found really particularly helpful during that time? Yes, definitely. Um, So I was in therapy the whole time. Um, 
and uh, so much came out of that. I think, um, you know, I really had to figure out the, I don't know if I want to call it a balance, but um, really delineating between um, what it looks like to have boundaries um, and, you know, really taking care of myself, having self-care there. Um, that's not, instead of codependence, right? If I'll be okay, if I can be back together with my ex-husband or I'll be okay if he's okay. Um, but more so really saying I need to make myself a priority and I need to make my peace and my joy a priority and, um, really, really, um, taking care of myself, uh, first, which feels sometimes counterproductive or counterintuitive to, um, the message, like more religious messaging of, you know, caring for others. And I don't think that they are, um, mutually exclusive ideas, you know, uh, I think it's, more so this idea of I need to be filled. I need my cup to be filled um, by God and by, you know, joy-filled relationships and friendships. And I need my cup to be filled by spending time alone and recharging and exercising and doing things that I love and going hiking and being in nature and going to the beach and, um, Mm that will, that's important. And it's, it's the most important. I can't do anything out of a space of emptiness or lack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, from a mental health perspective, really making sure that I had a solid um, base of self-esteem that wasn't yeah. dependent on anything that is changeable, you know, or anything that, um, is conditional. Yeah. It was really important for me. Yeah. And I know that one of the things that, uh, I had seen that you had posted that I really loved was, um, you had written a letter to like different parts of yourself, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Different ages. Would you mind yeah. a bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. Um, thank you for reminding me of that. I, yeah. I come to mind when you asked that, but um, yeah, that was that was really important to me. I wrote that. Um, I wrote that when I was turning thirty, and I was sort of faced with this like uh, I was close to divorce at that point. Um, I didn't know it uh, that I was, but I sort of you know knew it was probably coming. And I was sort of sitting with this sense of, um, you know, I thought that I would have kids by 30, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And had sort of always had that as uh, a timeline in my mind. And I think, I think I was talking about it in therapy um, and kind of it, my therapist saying, you know, there's other ways to, um, there's other ways to be a mother, 
right? And not just in the sense of um, you can adopt someday or whatever, right? But which is true, um, but more so in the sense that um, what I took from it, I guess, was there's a there's a creative spirit um, that I think is a very sort of um, feminine spirit that cr- creates life, you know, and in in a wide variety of ways. And we can create um, businesses and we can create art and beauty and um, solutions to things that just kind of we labor for them. Right. And we we um, have patience and we grow them and we feed them. And there's just sort of this um, creative feminine energy that um, we can really tap into that doesn't just have to do with like literal children. Um, but also, um, what was really important to me at that time was saying, there's all these younger versions of myself, right. That have gone through things and struggled. Um, and part of, you know, what we as therapists call like inner child work to say, we have these stuck points at different times in our lives where, you know, we've gone through things and we still carry those younger versions of ourselves within us. And, um, you know, they still want love and they still want um, care and attention and affection. And so um, I think, you know, that was powerful for me to say, um, I'm going to really be intentional about caring for these younger versions of myself. Um, I have it right here. Can I read it for you? Yeah, I'd love, I'd love that. Okay. Um, it's called a love letter for 30 year old Elise. Um, I'm so proud of the way you choose love over everything else. Even when it costs you greatly, look at the way you create out of pain, your integrity and honesty to yourself first make you unstoppable. I know that you wanted to be a mother by now. What you didn't know is how much you would conceive and gestate and grow and carry and labor to give life in fresh, scary, powerful, creative ways constantly. Your beauty goes deep. Your faith goes deeper. Your fears pale in comparison to your trust. Your doubts are no match for your gentle assurance. And here's the here's the part about the younger versions. Um, Three-year-old Elise feels comforted by you. Ten-year-old Elise feels safe with you. Fourteen-year-old Elise feels seen by you. Eighteen-year-old Elise feels at home in you. Twenty-two-year-old Elise feels guided by you. Twenty-year-old Elise feels loved by you. Um, So those were all, you know, pieces of my life where I had had moments of not feeling comforted, not feeling safe, not feeling seen, not feeling at home, not feeling guided, and then, you know, not feeling loved when I was going through my separation and divorce. So, um, yeah, that was, I love inner child work. I love, um, you know, looking at that within my own story, and I love working on that with clients, because um, I think that's so um, powerful to look at what did I need when I was seven? What did I need somebody to tell me? And 
how can I not stay stuck in just, because we can't change the past, right? We can't change the fact that someone wasn't there for me when I was seven, for example. Um, but we can still interact with the piece of ourselves that um, is hurting and feels broken by that. And that's so empowering because we can change, even though we can't change the past, we can change how we show up for that younger version of ourselves right in this moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I remember I had gone through like a really, really bad breakup a few years ago. And my therapist had introduced me to some internal family systems, mm -hmm. working with self and parts. Um, and of course, like, you know, looking at the patterns of my relationships and how I kind of subconsciously sought out, you know, like we all do like relationships that kind of mirrored or, um, reflected back to us maybe some of our early childhood relationships mm -hmm. and I remember like I just remember having a really profound experience of like sitting on my couch and talking to my like I think it was like my eight-year-old self mm -hmm. um, and just like realizing how much animosity that I had myself towards her, right? Like mm -hmm. realizing how much I was rejecting her and yeah. then like subconsciously seeking out these men who were also rejecting me. But then mm -hmm. kind of like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast of being like, well, like it's them. Like right. <laughs> it's not me. Like these men are the worst. And just like, you know, like realizing the part, um, that I was playing within that. And, and then just like sitting with her, like I remember like talking to her and it was like a very profound spiritual experience. That's like really hard to describe. Like it kind of sounds like, like when I described sometimes to people outside of the mental health world, it's like, yeah, I know it sounds like I had a mental breakdown, but like <laughs> it was so uh, valuable. Like I like sat with her and I was like talking to her and then she was like talking back to me mm -hmm. and you know, it was like a really, um, it was a very difficult conversation, yeah. but then like, towards the end, like sort of similar to you, just like really taking her in and being like, you know what, like I'm here for you now and mm -hmm. I'm not going to reject you anymore. And I'm going to listen no. to you and I'm going to listen to when you tell me that you're not getting what you need out of a relationship or if something mm -hmm. is like, hurting you or, um, or I'm not taking care of you in some way. And yeah, I think you had described it too as like, yeah, it's like a parallel process. And I think yeah. up until that point in my life, I had worked a lot on the tip of the iceberg. So mm -hmm. like was able to kind of like get my symptoms to a place where I was functioning at a healthier mm -hmm. level. Um, but then I think like over the last few years, like several different events keep pushing me like deeper and deeper down to the root. Mm -hmm. uh, for like a deeper healing experience mm -hmm. that that is, it can be so tough, but it's like one of the most kind things that I believe that God does for us, which is like take us through that healing process and really like bring yeah. us back home to ourselves. Yeah. That's so, so powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember where I read it. I feel like it was, I think it was in broken open, um, which is one of my favorite books, but she talks about, 
I'm not sure what spiritual tradition it's from, but they talk about like the faith, the face before you were born. So like mm-hmm. the idea that like, it's not that we are, um, that we've like lost ourselves. It's like that, that self that we were created to be in the whole of who we are as a person is there. It's just kind of gotten mm-hmm. like, muddled and covered up by like, you know, trauma or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like different events that have happened to us. And so like all of our healing is about really getting like coming back home to that, that face, the face before we were born. Hmm. I love Which I think that. It's just really encouraging when, cause like, you know, I think so often we're like, I'm like so messed up or like so mm-hmm. broken and, it's like, no, like there's this part of you inside that's still there. We're just trying to to bring her back home. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably so many different um, images of that in different traditions, right? Or a different, um, I find that all the time in, in trying to integrate or uh, incorporate Christian faith and spirituality with mental health yeah. ideas. I'm like, oh, so often we're talking about the same thing and calling it two different things. (laughs) Um, and, but I love that idea of the face. What did you call it? The face before you were born. Yeah. 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 So that being sort of a, a phrase for like the true self or the, the, um, is that kind of the idea? It's like, this is who you truly are and you kind of go through life and things feel messed up and, and whatever, but it's coming back to yourself. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and like just like really honoring that process. And I think like mm-hmm. there's another um I wanna say it's been Rector, some artist, he has a song where he says sometimes like a few years just feels like a few good days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like that, I feel like that's so true in the healing process. Like we think of it as like we see people often on the other side. Like when they're like, "Yeah, like I'm I'm doing well now," um, but the reality is, is that sometimes healing is not like, "Oh, like I had a really tough six months." It's like, no, I had a really mm-hmm. hard like three years. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and it like really yeah. took a lot of time to like work through the layers and like you know come to a place of like better healing. And it, it's just like it's such, like you said, like the Israelites, like they wandered for 40 years. And so like Mm -hmm. trusting that there's still something happening, even when it feels like there isn't. Totally. Yeah. Yep. And one thing, you know, on, on the spiritual side that I really came to when I was going through my separation was each time something difficult happens, is an opportunity to recalibrate and like seek, you know, Jesus's face and come back to myself and say, I'm going to care for me and I'm cared for by God. Um, And I think that I used to have this sense of like, um, maybe even it was like a little, I don't know if it was entitlement or just this sense of, I don't know, but it, when something bad would happen, it would be like, again, like yes. another yeah. thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> and now I'm like, I think I just have fewer expectations, I guess. Like yeah. life could be hard forever in a sense, you know, like circumstantially. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's 
bad or that I can't be happy or joyful or love myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I think what I'm really grateful for about having an extended period of difficulty, yeah. um, even though that's hard is to say, you know, um, in a sense, it, it's, I, I don't need to be, um, surprised by difficulties and I can and each one is an opportunity to sort of build a muscle in coming back to what I know you know Mm -hmm. yeah and that cannot be taken away from you right right there's so much power and rest that comes from like you know like I, I often think of the tree like you know like the tree's roots go really far into the ground and so like yeah can I be a tree when there's like a storm happening and my branches are flying all over the place and I'm losing my leaves and the seasons mm-hmm. are changing and yet like my roots go down really, really deep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like, that's so, yeah, that's so valuable because life is full of difficulties and um, suffering and things aren't fair and, mm-hmm. uh, and even here in America, we're like more privileged than mm-hmm. you know, other places where suffering is even more commonplace. And so like learning right. how to really, yeah, like grow our roots down and to be able to sit with ourselves in the middle of that space and mm-hmm. just let it be what it is with open hands, which is why this podcast is mm-hmm. named that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. We have to hold everything with open hands. Like we can't. Uh, tight and hold on because then no growth happens and nothing new can come in and nothing old can go out yeah absolutely I love that yeah well Lisa I'm so glad that you were here today thanks so much for you know being open and vulnerable and just being willing to share your story Um, is there anything that you'd like to promote or shout out like any Instagram pages your business anything at all Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed this. I, um, it's always good to talk with you. Um, and, um, I just want to say, you know, I have always appreciated, um, our friendship and getting to live with you back in the day. And, (laughs) um, you know, I think there's something about you that really allows people to be vulnerable because you have that, um, that sense of openness and ability to sit with a lot. So thank you. Um, I, yeah, I do have um, an Instagram. My uh, private practice is called abundant life therapy. Um, And the Instagram I think is like abundant.life.therapy. And I have a website as well. Um, And I am right now seeing clients anywhere in California. So nice. uh, Yeah. What are your uh, specializations? So eating disorders, um, I offer what I call Christian informed therapy um, as opposed to biblical counseling. So if people are um, of the Christian faith and they want to have that worldview and spirituality as, you know, integrated into their mental health journey, that's something that I can um, help them integrate. And then, um, general mental health, depression, anxiety, um, grief and loss and trauma. I work with all of those as well. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much again. Uh, we'll talk soon, but really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you have a good rest of your day. 
Thank you. You too. Open Hands is produced, hosted, and edited by Sarah Nickerson. Theme music is by Sleeping at Last. You can find Open Hands on Instagram at Open Hands Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and be well.